2: to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today.
0: I'm Carla Nappi, and this is New Books in East Asian Studies. Welcome and thanks for joining us again. I just got off the Skype phone with Hideaki Fujiki to talk with him about his new book, Making Personas, Transnational Film Stardom in Modern Japan. This came out with the Harvard University Asia Center in 2013. Now, as you'll hear over the um, course of the interview to come, this is a book that is simultaneously a contribution to how we understand modern Japan and stardom specifically, and also how we understand modernity as a kind of transnational process of co-production. And so the book takes us through successively a number of case studies, a number of different kinds of contexts, different forms of the circulation of images and discourse that lead us through a transition in the way that Japanese stardom was conceived from an early case um, where the film stars are sort of these these figures called Benshi who with their bodies and their voices physically narrate um, and guide readers through what at that time were silent films, to the end of the story where we have figures like Mary Pickford and Clara Bow, in addition to the emergence of some colonially modern film stars and some Japanese film stars who embody a completely different way of being an embodied vocal Um, imaged, discursive star. So it's a fascinating study. It's a very, very rich study, and we really um, just covered little bits and pieces of the narrative, but I think you'll get a sense from the interview to come of the overall arc of the book and of the story um, in terms of its major transformations from beginning to end. So if you are a film buff, if you're interested in the history of film and cinema, and if you're interested in um, simply the sort of history and conceptual study of modernity, or if you just really like um, histories of Japan, this is a book for you. So I hope you have a chance to pick up a copy of the book and read through it. And I hope you enjoy the interview to come. Thanks very much for listening. I'm here to talk with Hideaki Fujiki about his new book, Making Personas, Transnational Film Stardom in Modern Japan. Welcome to New Books in East Asian Studies, Hideaki, and thanks very much for navigating this really tricky time difference with me and for making time to talk with me about a book that I really enjoyed. So thanks for being here with me.
3: Thank you. Thank you for your interesting Uh, my book, and it's a great pleasure to be here and to talk about my book. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. So, Hideaki, could you start us off by saying just a little bit about your background, and specifically, how did you come to decide to work on the history of modern Japan?
3: Mm. Yeah, actually, um, my field uh, has been um, film studies. Mm -hmm. I... um, I completed my PhD at University of Wisconsin Medicine, and that was uh, ten years ago. And but at that time, <coughs> uh, so my field is um, film studies. But uh, when I decided um, that topic for my dissertation, I chose uh, Japanese films, and then um, one of the one of my interests is to historicize Japanese cinema and also um, contextualize um, films uh, in the uh, historical um, environment. So um, modern Japanese history is a kind of secondary Mm -hmm. (laughs) topic for me. (laughs) Uh, Film studies first. And then, uh, but of course I was uh, really, really interested in that uh history. So I, I try to combine the um historical studies, especially Japanese um uh, film modern Japanese history with the um um the, the films.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the really notable and really nice things about the book is that the approach here to the focus of the book, which is a history of and a history of the transformations of Japanese film stardom in the mm-hmm. early 20th century, is one that's very deeply contextualized historically. And so I really, as a historian, I really appreciated that Thank I you. read the book. So- yeah, Can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to that particular focus? Why Japanese film stardom specifically Mm -hmm. as an object, and why the early 20th century?
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Why film stardom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, actually, uh, so when I uh, tried to find a theme for my uh, dissertation, I... um, I was struggling <laughs> uh, to find which um, topic um, was good, uh, suitable for me. Mm-hmm. And um, the first I came up with is modernity. And but the um, uh, ten years ago, well, even now, uh, many uh, film studies scholars. Uh, interested in the issue of modernity. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I felt that I need, uh, to differentiate from my study from other scholars. And then, um, while reading, um, some literature in film studies, I found the star system was star studies are quite interesting and, uh, uh, useful to look at, um, uh, history. And then, um, <clears throat> uh, more specifically, as I uh, discussed in my book, um, I found the star system and stardom, um, involving with many, uh, historical factors, um, uh, there is um, um, social, political, economic, and cultural in the historical context. So uh, I thought that if I uh, analyze uh, the stardom as um, a kind of system or the, the structure or process, uh, I might also be able to uh, think about the History in itself, <laughs> and in other words, uh, Stardom is a good uh, material uh, through which to examine the uh, the issues of uh, modernity. Mm-hmm. So this is my um, primary. Uh, this was yeah my primary motivation to to take up to take the um, Stardom as my topic.
0: Great, thank you. Now, you mentioned early on in the book that the book began um, in its earliest incarnation as a dissertation. So can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that transition? Were there any major changes in the project and how you were thinking about it, how you shaped it, how you were writing it in mm-hmm. the transformation between dissertation to book?
3: Mm. Uh, basically, uh, my book is based on the dissertation. And um, mm i didn't change i actually i didn't make a major change mm-hmm. <laughs> from my dissertation um, but um yeah, i i tried to shape up um many aspects of the dissertation to to uh, publish publish it as a book and um because i i have to, i have uh i have been teaching in japan um I have had many opportunities to write um in Japanese instead of english,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and so some of the parts of this book have been published in Japanese and actually the uh I first <clears throat> wrote um the 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 original book in Japanese ah. <laughs> yeah so um <clears throat> And so the um, in the process from my dissertation to to the this uh, latest book, mm-hmm. um, I have revised many times in both Japanese and English, but the basic body in itself uh, hasn't changed. Probably the introduction has dramatically changed. I I try to. Um, to, uh, to show a wider perspective, wider, uh, theoretical perspective mm-hmm. to approach the stardom in modern Japan. And, and also, uh, I try to consider the readership of, of this book. So, <clears throat> um, the, Yeah, of course, um, many dissertations (laughs) uh, assume quite narrow (laughs) readers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, at this point, I have tried to change, but otherwise, um, basically the same (laughs) in terms of the body, yeah.
0: <clears throat> so the, the introduction of the book lays out some of the major um, kind of conceptual and theoretical frameworks mm-hmm. that the rest of the book is going to build on and assume. And so we've already talked a little bit about um, the approach being very deeply historical. Um, you mm-hmm. also talk here in the introduction about the importance of using modernity as a kind of Mm. analytic framework. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Can you um, maybe open, by talking a little bit about that, in what ways for you is it important to use modernity as an analytic frame in the book? And perhaps how does your approach to Mm. modernity here um, importantly differ from some other approaches to modernity in modern Japan?
3: Yeah, that's a very, very important question. <coughs> Sorry. Um maybe uh we it'll be um yeah, it'll be uh, helpful for us to understand this uh this issue.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh
3: uh, sorry uh let me repeat one once again um so the um yeah it would be helpful to to compare the uh, modernity approach mm-hmm. with the um nation state approach maybe we can say uh so in previously many japanese many uh studies of Japanese cinema is based on the national framework. And so the, um, <clears throat> um, so those, this kind of study tends to, um, confine the Japanese films in the, um, national boundary of Japan. And in other words, uh, they tend to um look over the um, the relationship uh, between japan or Japanese films and um films and films abroad or uh, um, <clears throat> other countries or other areas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so modernity i thought um uh, could help us to uh, look at Japanese cinema, uh, not, uh, simply as national cinema, but, uh, to, to look at the interactions, um, between Japanese context and global context. So, and also, um, modernity or the, uh, the level of modernizations are
2: mm-hmm.
3: different, vary uh, depending on the regions or areas or uh, nation. So such kind of um, imbalance or unevenness uh, can be observed through the lens of modernity. So, this is a um, basic idea. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I try to use the concept of maternity, you know. <clears throat>
0: Thank you so much. And one of the really striking things about the book is that it does take a very explicitly transnational approach. Mm -hmm. And it's transnational not in the way that would propose um, a a kind of um, simplistic American, for example, influence that was passively accepted or dealt with Mm -hmm. by Japan and Japanese Mm -hmm. audiences, but rather a very active co-production and a very active fashioning of this very transnational modern film culture um, Mm -hmm. in a way that really um, was not reducible to a kind of East-West binary or Mm -hmm. a West Japan binary. So that's one of the really wonderful and very striking things, I think.
3: (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, this is one of the um, important points I wanted to to make. Yeah.
0: Well, that's really clear, so I think, well done.
3: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: So after we move from the introduction, we get into a series of four parts of the book that each treat a particular aspect of the development of film stardom and the film star system as it emerged and changed from about the 1910s through the 1940s. So the Mm -hmm. first part of the book looks at early Japanese film stars, and it Mm -hmm. focuses mainly on benshi. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, Benshi, great. Um, Benshi and on a particular figure, um, a particular Japanese film actor as well. So the first chapter sets the stage, and, and I, um, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about this, because this really does lay a foundation for a lot of what's to come. So it sets the stage by looking closely at the history of Benshi, and these are Japan's first film stars. So mm-hmm. the idea here is that we need, at least as I understand it, we need to understand this early um, group of film stars in order to understand the character and the importance of the kinds of changes and transformations that come after this, right? So to to start us off, can you explain for listeners, um, just kind of briefly introduce, who are these Benchi and what's important about their mode of performance that we need to understand to understand their particular mode of stardom?
3: Mm. Yes. Who did you say? Who is? Yeah.
0: Who, who,
3: who was who the are they? I mean,
0: For for a listener who doesn't, okay. who's never heard this word and <laughs> knows nothing about this, um, yeah. what did the listener need to know to understand um, okay. how to integrate this into your argument?
3: Yeah. And maybe there are um, some several ways to explain about benshi. Sure. Uh, okay. So so the benshi is the a voice performer uh, who is standing uh, on the side of the screen or sitting, sometimes sitting on the uh, side of the screen to give explanation or narration or uh, dialogues uh, for the characters on screen. And... Mm -hmm. Is it clear? <laughs> yes, yes, that's, okay. that's totally
0: clear.
3: And so the um, <clears throat> so probably as you know, uh, early cinema, uh, especially uh, in generally uh, before the 1930, uh, most of the uh, films were silent cinema, which means that uh, film in itself didn't have uh, sound. But, um, so, uh <clears throat> instead of, uh, giving, uh, voices or sound out uh, through film in itself, uh, someone with a company with the screened film, uh, mm-hmm. gave <laughs> sounds and, uh, uh, voices. So the, uh, um, uh, sometimes orchestras, uh played music on the side of the screen and so Benshe was a uh, kind of uh, the person who explained <coughs> the ongoing uh, moving image but yeah the, uh, the style of the Benji, uh I mean <coughs> there are several ways of several styles of uh, bench performances and that starts um, mm. Yeah, of course. Uh, the styles are different individually. In, I mean, the on um, depending on the individual benchi, but also the styles um, change uh, over time, uh, especially uh, from the 1910s through 1920s uh, or early 30s. I mean, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that's perfect. That's great. I sort of, when I was reading this part of the book, I yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I've imagined them as a kind of early Japanese version of Mystery Science yeah. Theater 3000. Have you ever seen this? Sci-fi. Anyway, um, so, so it's a really striking, um, yeah. really striking kind yeah. of way of thinking about the interaction yeah. between a speaking body and yeah. a film. And so the first chapter... Begins uh, this lo- the story of this long transformation of Japanese film stardom by mm. taking us through. The kind of height of the popularity of these benchi which changes mm. in 1917 as they become institutionalized, right. so they yeah. become supervised under the Ministry of Education and the Home mm-hmm. Ministry. And this yeah. institutionalization, kind of ironically, mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. marginalizes them.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Um, so they become increasingly marginalized, and the chapter yeah. is really a fascinating window into this. That also is um, for listeners who may not immediately know that the book does this, mm-hmm. um, it's also a really interesting way to approach a history of bodies and embodiment mm-hmm. because you talk mm-hmm. here about the importance of the bodies um, and how they used their bodies to a yeah. uh, performance and how this really mm-hmm. kind of changes with the arrival of talkies in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So after this, we move to a chapter that looks at a particular uh, famous early Japanese film star, and this mm. is Onoe Matsunosuke. Mm. Now, he was cast, as you put it, in more than a thousand films, which mm. is kind of a, a number that's kind of, uh, you know, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, difficult to even conceptualize, you Now acting mm. in more than a thousand films.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: now, he becomes a set piece um, through which we understand um, sort of transformations, some important transformations in the sort of early stardom of Japanese film actors. So, mm-hmm. could you um, could you introduce him for us? What do we need to understand about Onoe um, Matsunosuke in order to understand why, like, his importance to the argument that you're making in this part of the book?
3: Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> So I discussed the Ono Emma as the most uh, representative early star early star mm-hmm. or the star and um, the star in early cinema, mm-hmm. Japanese early cinema. And so uh but he was uh, enormous uh, popularity. Um um yeah but yeah I I, I, I wanted to discuss him uh, especially because he uh, represented the, the uh, some of the important characteristics of this the type of sna- uh, sort film star, <laughs> yeah. And he came from the uh, low rank uh, Kabuki theater. Actually, there are two types of Kabukis. One is the more rich. Legitimate and uh, prestige, prestigious Kabuki, but the other one is a uh, low rank <laughs> Kabuki. Yeah, and so he, he came from the the latter, the uh, low rank uh, Kabuki theaters. And so the um, so one of the interesting point is that the that the connection between uh, the theatrical uh, stream and Japanese cinema. And and uh, early Japanese films were um, strongly uh, connected with theatrical tradition. So uh, Onoe epitomized, uh such connection. Then the uh, so the star, um, some characteristic of the his stardom uh, took over. Uh, some aspects of, um theatrical style. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to highlight this aspect. But on the other hand, he, he was also important in that he mediated the, uh, the relationship between theater and uh, films. Uh, he, uh, <clears throat> He uh, So he <laughs> not only uh, was, he was not only influenced by the um, theaters, but also he uh, uh, kind of invented the filmic representation or presentation of himself as a star. So uh, we can um, observe the um, interaction or mediation of theater and cinema through looking at him as a star. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Great, thank you, and and um, that's really helpful. And the chapter mm-hmm. also talks about a couple of other central themes that I'll just mention for listeners without um, going Mm -hmm. into detail just so that they know it's there. Um, The chapter also talks about in much of the same, or in a very similar way to what you just mentioned, this kind of dual persona of the mm. early film star that he embodied, right? right? This sort of a virtuosic persona and also uh-huh. a great man. And also, uh-huh. you talk here um, for, for our listeners who are interested in um, business and sort of the way business history and theater and, uh, theater yes. and film history are related. You talk uh-huh. about the importance of a troupe. Based corporate business model uh-huh. and the ways that that actually um, transforms stardom and shapes yeah. the stardom. So that seems like a really important point in this yes. book.
3: Yeah. Exactly, yes.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. So after, <laughs> yeah. um, So we could talk a whole lot more about that, but I, I'd like to also, like, let's get to some mm-hmm. of the other parts of the book.
3: Mm-hmm. So um,
0: after this first part of the book, we move to part two. And this is a part of the book that analyzes the film stardom of American film actors. Mm-hmm. Images of them, and sort of images become really important in a way we'll talk about in a moment. Images of them gained currency from the mid-1910s. And this chapter looks at that process. Mm-hmm. Now, Chapter three takes us into a lot of different aspects of this. It first introduces um, the formation of what you call a strategic star system in the US. Mm -hmm. And then it looks at the ways that the circulation of visual images and also discourses of these American stars in Japan became crucial to their stardom. So you you take us into the example of Mary Pickford Mm -hmm. um, and talk about the sort of how Mary Pickford is taken up and understood as a star and the implications of this for understanding stardom in Japan. So could Mm -hmm. you maybe talk a little bit about that as a way of kind of helping us understand um, um, this larger point about circulation of images and discourses mm. perhaps.
3: Yeah. Actually, there are so many things I want to ah. talk about. <laughs> whatever,
0: <laughs> so, you'd like, uh, whatever you'd like to mention, whatever you yeah. find most interesting, that'll be the
3: mm. best for us. So the, the fundamental uh, yeah, the most fundamental uh, interest I had is, is the um uh, <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, discuss the Japanese film history, uh, not as the confined Japanese, (laughs) confined Japanese border, as I said, but the, um, uh I wanted to highlight the transnational aspect as I uh, mentioned, uh, very early Mm -hmm. in this interview. And so the uh uh the film well especially image um uh, is not restrained by the language uh every every uh, virtually everybody can share uh the image uh beyond the uh borders like national border right so uh, I wanted to uh pay attention to that aspect. Especially because i discussed the film, 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 which is uh, different from language. So the um, so one. This is the basic uh, assumption I had at that time. So and uh, and in fact, uh, the image circulation of. American films or well, American star was enormously influential in the 1910s and 1920s in Japan, as I described in my book. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this is not so a simple process of circulation. As I also discussed, the um, Japanese critics and audiences interpreted and interpreted the circulation of the American films and images and uh, expressed uh, their opinions and uh, feelings in through the publications or uh, magazine, film magazines, for instance. So So I discussed in my book that uh, these discursive practices are valued or, <clears throat> or hmm, make sense of the uh, American films. And so through this process, uh, American film stars uh, enormously influenced the Japanese film history. So this is the basic things I wanted to uh, discuss uh, through these two chapters.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Now, one of the things that um, becomes really uh, interesting and really important in this part of the book, in these two chapters, Chapter 3 and Chapter Mm 4, is that you show us, um, by looking at the case of Mary Pickford, By looking um, at the sort of the literary production of some critics like Tanizaki, um, Mm -hmm. by looking at other kinds of sort of images that emerge out of this, you talk about the way that a new kind of stardom, a new kind of star persona, emerges from this transnational co-production. This is a persona where the sexuality. Mm-hmm. of the stars becomes really important and becomes emphasized and this becomes a yeah. matter of you know some debate. Um, so can you maybe talk a little bit about that aspect of what's going on? Because that continues to become important, or continues to be important rather throughout the book. This identification or not of the kind of sexuality of stars with their persona and with stardom.
3: Mm. Okay. Um... Yeah, maybe um it'll be easier to to um to talk about the chapter five or six um the chapters uh, in which I discuss the uh onagata on sure, okay. and uh, sure. female and uh and the, uh actresses.
0: Okay, sure. So
3: so, uh, so, if I... Yeah, that would be easy to sure. talk about your okay. concerns. Sure,
0: no problem. So what I'll yeah. do is I'll just kind of... Um, in order to get us there, yeah, I'll just yeah. sort of um, uh, set out for listeners how we get there. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Early in this part of the book, in part two, um, it sort of the book lays the foundations for understanding these kinds of transformations that are going to um, take on special salience in like chapter six and seven when you talk mm-hmm. about this figure of the mm-hmm. Anagata, which we'll talk about in a moment. Right. And one of these issues that comes up is the increasing sexualization, of, mm-hmm. especially sort of of figures of the American star. And you talk about the idea and discourses that associate the kind of physique and the expressions of American actors' bodies as more natural mm. in some way. Right. So that becomes or- something that sets the stage. Yeah. Um, then after a discussion of the kind of... Um, the cultural values and ideologies um, that uh, com- that go hand in hand with this promotion of American film stardom, the images and discourses thereof, in terms of gender and class and aesthetics. In Chapter Four, this yeah. then takes us into Part Three of the book, which is where you're leading us. Um, and Part f- Three looks at the ways that this circulation and co-production of um, Japanese and American um, forms of stardom really transforms Japanese film stardom in really interesting ways in the early 1920s. Okay, Okay. so let's jump from there to then one of the important chapters in this part of the book, which is chapter six, which um, looks at the idea the figure of what's called an onagata, mm-hmm. and the replacement of this figure with actresses, with other kinds mm-hmm. of film actresses in the 1920s. Okay, so now that I've set that up, thank <laughs> you for your patience. Um, thank you for your patience with my yakking as I do this. Can you, um, for listeners then, as a way to take us into um, what you want to say about onagata, can you first perhaps explain um, for listeners who aren't familiar with the term, what yeah. is an onagata? Um, and then sort of
3: Talking mm. about whatever you want in terms mm. of what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the onnagata. Maybe many of many of the listeners know that onnagata comes from a kabuki tradition, and so that is the um, male actors who plays the female characters or female uh, roles. And so the. Um, um, yeah, since the, uh, 17th century, uh, when kabuki was established, uh, kabuki, um, used, uh, yeah, kabuki has used the onnagata instead of, uh, female, uh, actresses. And then the, uh, Japanese films, was influenced by this uh, practice uh, until 1920. So, in other words, in 1920, around 1920, that practice dramatically changed. After 1920 or after 1919, uh, most of the Japanese films uh, began to use uh, uh, actresses instead of onnagata.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so uh, this is quite a peculiar um, a characteristics um, to compare to um, film practices in other countries. And so the uh, but the, um, <clears throat> I found the many so many interesting uh, phenomena in this transition uh, from the onnagata to uh, actresses
0: so yeah. what are, what were some of the most interesting phenomena in that transition for you like what, what are some of the aspects of that transition that mm. you're most excited about
3: mm. Mm, one of
0: <laughs> well for example we um, we talked about this yeah, yeah. issue of the sexuality of the actor right. and the idea of naturalness yeah. so maybe we could talk a little bit about that Yeah.
3: so yeah this is <clears throat> so uh, this is related to the uh, my discussion in early earlier chapters <clears throat> so um, um, so we uh, in this interview, we already discussed the, uh, influence or circulation of Americans, American stars, right? And the uh, critics evaluate the, uh, representation of American stars. And so the, uh, the transition between, uh, sorry, the transition from the onagata to actresses was, uh, uh, inextricably connected to this um, historical um, mm-hmm. phenomenon so the uh, so one of the uh, important aspect is that uh, Japanese critics uh, paid particular attention to the uh, the body physical body of Actress, actresses in American films.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then uh, they recognized the difference between uh, American actresses and Onagata in the 1910s. And then uh, they valued American stars over Japanese. Onagata. <laughs> so my basic assumption is that Onagata, emphasize, onagata emphasizes emphasizes, uh, more, uh, his, her performance, mm-hmm. uh, than the, um, uh, the physique itself. And then, um, so, <clears throat> but yeah, I, Assume that, uh, discursive, uh, valuation of American star, especially, uh, American star's body, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
3: was, uh, mm-hmm. it was, um, powerful to, 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 powerful to change the Japanese convention of onagata to the actress right.
0: and this, yeah. is, this is actually one of the um another way that i think the book speaks really productively to a history of bodies um, mm. because one of the things so early on in the book and in, in the third chapter i think you make the point that as images and discourses of American stardom start entering into circulating and being kind of transformed in the context of Japan, one of the things that's emphasized is the naturalness of American Mm. actors. So when we get to chapter 6 um, one of the things that happens at least and, and tell me if I've got this totally wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. is that the onagata um, who were who had been men who played the roles of women mm-hmm. um, they become less they, they kind of give way to actresses as stars in part because the kind of actresses sexuality is praised as more natural right mm-hmm. defined in terms of the coherence between a kind of the sex of the body and the gender of the role being performed and this really Comes yeah. from an engagement with this image of the sexuality and naturalness of the American film star. Is that right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. for No,
0: I mean thank you. That the yeah. book is super clear on this. So, uh, so you make it easy for me. <laughs> that, that's one yeah. of the great things.
3: Yeah. So, but the um, yeah actually uh, I tried to uh, discuss the complexity <laughs> of many. Um, I mean the connection of many. Uh, elements so uh so that's why it's a little bit difficult to 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 explain it yeah. uh, no, I think you're <laughs> yeah.
0: So one one of the other things that um, before we move to the last part of the book, I just mm. want to make sure we, we at least mention one of the other really important things that this third part of the book does, and that is um, you take us into a cinema company, and you mm. show us in the fifth chapter the ways that this kind of restructuring of or this transformation of Japanese film stardom mm. is not just about the circulation of discourses and mm-hmm. images, but it's mm-hmm. also about a deep structural change mm-hmm. in terms of the institutions mm-hmm. of film and the institutions of yeah. film, film stardom. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is you, you talk about various aspects of this in the fifth chapter. You talk about the Shochiku Kinema Company um, and the, the ways that they really restructured the system in which actors were training um, and performing and being exploited. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to maybe mention um, what are the most, for you, Mm. important or interesting elements of that part of the story that you would want to share with listeners?
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, As you mentioned, the uh, the Japanese industry dramatically uh, changed in 1920 around 1920 and um uh, why change uh, uh no no um it's important to to look out uh, in what ways the japanese industry has changed um it's a little bit difficult to to this to to explain about it in a short term but time but the um um mm, Mm-hmm. Um, like for simply example, said, yeah, simply. Yeah, uh, you,
0: um, yeah. You, you talk about um, <laughs> the importance, for example, of actors being ranked um, according to how popular they right. were, how senior they were, right? And how yes. they um, yeah. So, is there anything like okay. that that you feel like is, is yeah. really important for <clears throat> listeners to understand? Yeah,
3: probably the way of managing uh, actress, actors. Actors. Uh, changed at that time so the new so new companies like uh, Shochiku and kokatsu and taikatsu emerged in 1928 so these new companies uh, explored a uh, new way of uh, managing uh, actors and this is uh, greatly influenced by the uh, american film industry or company and because uh, some executive members of these uh, companies traveled to the United States to and to to uh, visit some studios, and so the uh, mm, there are many aspects. But one of the important aspects is that uh, in the nineteen tens. When Konwemans Matsunosuke was a uh, distinguished uh, film star, uh, the number of uh, actors were much more limited. Much more small number of uh, actresses um, played for um, films. But the uh, after nine yeah since 1920, uh, new companies. Uh, Attempted to hire uh, more, a uh, higher number of actors and actresses, and then um, they hierarchized uh, film actresses in terms of their popularity. Mm-hmm. And that popularity is based on the consumption of films. And the famous stars, right? And uh, as I discussed in earlier chapters, Onoe Masunosuke uh, took over the tradition of kabuki, and the kabuki actors' club, well, kabuki actors' ranking was not necessarily uh, based on their popularities, but also the um, uh, okay, let's say. I forgot the <laughs> term I use but um yeah the special way of ranking uh based on the uh the age or skills or or mm um, um, the career
0: sure
3: right and so this was not necessarily based on the um the, the popularity. Or, or capitalist way of um, evaluating the actors. So, so in that way, the new companies try to manage on the basis of, say, maybe a capitalist principle more more, ex- more explicitly. And this is um, one of the important points I, I, I tried to make in uh, in this chapter, yeah,
0: that's that's great. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up because that also um, that becomes a really important theme for this part of the book, and you, and elsewhere in the same chapter, um, in the in uh discussion of. The kind of theorization and a new kind of theorization of film and acting by a director, Morata Minoru. Mm -hmm. You talk about the idea of actors um, being instruments, so an actor's body being like a musical instrument. And Mm -hmm. it's part of the book, I mean, I think in concert with this emergence of a capitalist discourse that's infusing what's happening here, Actors become not only instruments to be exploited, but they mm. also become commodities. Mm. And, um, we won't have time to really talk about this in detail, but Chapter 7 mm. looks at the emergence of a Japanese actress, um, uh, Kurishima Sumiko in particular, yes. right, as an example of the kamada. Cessation, the commodification, commodification, sorry, I I can't speak English. The commodification Mm. of Japanese actresses Mm. in the context of the rise of a consumer society. So that becomes Mm -hmm. actually a really important part of the Mm -hmm. book. Kind of labor history and consumer history is an important part of what's happening here.
1: Yeah.
0: So part four of the book, as we come to this last part, is. Mm-hmm. looks at the relationship between cinema stardom and modernity. Now, mm. modernity and ideas of the modern have been um, up to now really mm. part of the book from the very beginning, but part four really focuses in very mm. explicitly on ideas mm. of the modern and modernity right. as um, really important foci of the discussion. Right. As important concepts. So yeah. This part of the book has two chapters and these chapters focus on two different individuals. Mm. Clara Bow and mm. Natsukawa Shizue.
1: Mm.
0: And it uses these cases to look at how film stardom involved the phenomenon of the modern. Both figures are explicitly associated with the language of the modern here.
1: Mm.
0: Now, both figures, um, Clara Bow and Natsukawa Shizue, both figures are modern girls and modern actresses, but they're mm. very different ways of being modern actresses and right. very different ways. So this really, I think, productively um, breaks apart what mm. some other studies treat as a kind of a fairly coherent and a fairly unproblematic single mm. category of the modern girl. Right here we mm. have very different ways of being modern girl. So mm. um, to kind of t- just talk a little bit about this, let's start with Clara Bow. In what ways for you, or what of some of the most important ways for you that Clara Bow was a modern girl in the context of her film stardom in Japan? Mm. What was mm. important about her modernity in the mm. context of the film stardom in Japan?
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, maybe before talking about <laughs> Clara Bow, maybe I... Uh, my assumption about the uh, modernity, yeah, modernity. Uh, as I mentioned, modernity. Uh, actually, there are there are uh, several aspects of modernity. One is that modernity as a critical analytical uh, term, mm-hmm. but oh, but on, but also, but at the same time, uh, modernity is important to to. Uh, I mean, the modernity is uh, refers to the historical condition of the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, and so on. And so, the uh, my assumption, my a very fundamental assumption is that modernity is multi-layered. Many different kinds of aspects are interrelated um, in in this term, right? And so Clara Ball it's uh didn't represent all aspects of modernity. I don't I, I so I assume. But uh, but as I mentioned the um, uh the critical discourse or fun discourse of the time identified Clarabo as a representative figure of modernity. And they used the word modern or modern girl. And so in that sense, um, uh, Claraboe uh, was a very important figure to, to uh, epitomize the modernity. But again, I, I also, but yeah, uh, uh, in my book, I also assume that uh, the star like Christmas Miko, who, who was not referred to with the word modern, also um, epitomized the some aspect of modernity. So in that sense uh, uh Clara Ball was the single important figure and uh and then um <laughs> what was your question sorry sure. no, no, this, this is great this is
0: actually um you, I, I, you've I, answered it yeah, yeah no it's I, great yeah um,
3: i thought that i needed to to um Clarify my assumption about uh, yeah modernity. So, and then the uh, credible, um, mm-hmm. What's the question about credible?
0: So Clara yeah. Beau, um, So what I'm actually interested in bringing out for listeners here. Is the way that Clara Bow and Natsukawa Shizue mm-hmm. rep- both represented modern girls, but did mm-hmm. so very differently. So in chapter, that's why, right? So in chapter eight, um, you talk about Clara Bow being associated with the the discourse of the modern girl in a very particular yeah. way. She's a fla- she's associated with flappers. Um, yes. The characters she plays are very sexualized. Yeah. She's very controversially modern. I think is the yeah. phrase. In yes contrast, Natsukawa Shizue is not controversially modern, she's respectively modern. So she's also a modern girl, but she's a modern girl in a very different way than Clara Bow. So maybe, um, can you perhaps talk about, um, for you, what are some of the most important ways that Natsukawa Shizue differed from the modernity or the modern girlness of Clara. Yeah. And, and and what's important for us to understand about that in order to understand the larger arguments that you're making in this part mm-hmm. of the book.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, so the... Uh, I assume... Yeah, I suppose that uh, general uh, image of modern girl mm-hmm. is... Um, mm, how can you say it's uh, controversial and uh, uh, misch- mischievous?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. And, but, but I tried to uh, more closely examine that kind of characteristic of modern cars, And then I wanted to discuss the um uh various different aspects the uh m- modern girls what the image of modern girls involved at that time. Mm-hmm. And so as you mentioned the uh, on the one hand um, there were there was a type of modern girl like clerable who was targeted as the controversial figure, but on the other hand, uh, some uh, actresses who were also called modern girls um, represented quite different uh, meaning uh, from the Clarabo. Uh, the, the, uh, modern girls who are controversial. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I wanted to highlight these contrast, uh, images in, uh, modern girls. In other words, uh, um, maybe yeah, there are two, uh, two levels. Uh, there are different types of modern girls at that time. Uh, by the way, the modern girls were not. Modern girls were uh, not necessarily the um, complete uh, uh, people. <laughs> I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
3: can I say uh, uh, they were uh, discursively constructed, and so the number of the modern girls in in reality was quite small i think but the um through the um <clears throat> print and yeah through the uh, magazines and newspapers other print materials so uh, the image of a uh, modern world was constructed and yeah <clears throat> then uh so there are two types of uh, modern girl images. The, on the other hand, uh, I also wanted to highlight the the connection between the modern girl figure or modern girl image with the governmental policy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so as you mentioned, the Natsukawa Shizue was regarded as a uh, Kind of a respectable um, modern girl. And uh, in other words, uh, quite conservative in a sense. And, uh, and then, um, so maybe, um, yeah, uh, I, I thought that, um, through analyzing the figure of Krishna Sumiko, I might be able to, uh, highlight the process of modern goal. I mean, process of, hm, mm, um, mm, 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 I can say, uh, discipline. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, that, well,
3: so okay so no, no, the image ahead. yeah the image of the uh, modern girl um, may uh, might have been transformed from the uh, controversial figure to more disciplined image of modern girl which fits into the governmental um, policy Perfect. Yeah.
0: Okay. Perfect. And and you talk about um in chapter nine. Yeah. This is specifically contextualized just to, um, for the um, historians of the audience right, who might be especially interested in mm-hmm. what you just said about like, contextualizing mm-hmm. this within government policies. He mm-hmm. talks specifically about this um, emergence of this respectably modern girl. And for, uh, in the case of Natsukawa Shizue, in the context of a rise of consumerism, a kind of fashion or a vogue for Marxism, mm-hmm. and kind of nationalistic aspirations Mm. and this kind of the the figure of the nation or the nation state and its connection with stardom um, so that the connection rather between the nation stardom Mm. politics um, nationalism this comes to a head really in the conclusion so as we come to the end of the book and we come to the conclusion of our conversation and I'm Mm -hmm. sorry actually I'm sorry that we're already at the conclusion because this is such a fascinating book but you bring us from this figure of the respectably modern girl in this very nationalistic context in chapter nine and bring us out into um, kind of a larger study or a more focused study of a figure who actually began the book although we didn't talk about her yet but we'll talk about her now and this mm. is the case of the actress Ri Koran, um, who's mm-hmm. actually a Chinese actress, Li Xinglang. And she becomes really popular in 1939. And you talk mm-hmm. about the emergence of her stardom in mm-hmm. the context of colonial modernity. So mm-hmm. By the end of the book, we have a specifically colonial context mm-hmm. for this um, modern stardom in a way that I think really opens the study out potentially mm-hmm. into lots of really fascinating mm-hmm. directions that it could go mm-hmm. in there. So Hideaki, uh, thank you so much for making the time to talk with me today. I'm sure listeners um, already have a sense of how fascinating the book Mm -hmm. is and also probably of how much there is in the book. Now, we only... Barely scratched the surface of what's a very very rich study, and there's a lot that we didn't have a chance to talk about. Is there anything in particular that we didn't have a chance to talk about, um, but that you feel is important to mention for listeners, and, and maybe especially for listeners who haven't yet had a chance to read the book?
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> there are so many things I <laughs> I want to talk about, and. Um, mm, okay yeah so based. Um, <clears throat> so as we have talked uh, modernity is the one of the most important uh, aspects in this book and, and also I try to uh, highlight the um, many different aspects or dimensions of modernity. And then, as you mentioned, the, I referred to the colonial modernity in the conclusion. Um, maybe i I, uh, I should clarify this point. Sure. Um, so um, mm, so from the um, chapter the first chapter through the last chapter, I didn't uh, discuss uh, colonial modernity. Uh, so much. And by colonial modernity, I mean that... Um, especially, I mean that um, during... Mm, yeah. Before the World War Two and during the World War II, uh, <clears throat> Japan was a kind of empire to... To, to colonize Korea and uh, Taiwan and semicor- and other uh, Hokkaido, Okinawa and also semi-colonize the uh, northern uh, China and uh, southeast uh, Asia, right? And then uh, I wanted to take this issue uh, for my study of uh, female stardom but I didn't I couldn't uh take pages for this uh, matter in my book, but um, one of the reasons I didn't uh, dis discuss um, this matter in this book uh, is because um, there were little starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, from other Asian countries during the nineteen twenties and uh, until the late nineteen thirties. And maybe uh, uh Rikoran even Rikoran can't be called a Chinese star because she her parents were Japanese. Right. So uh, virtually uh there were there was no um, no stars from other Asian countries um, before the World War II, before the end of World War II. But this suggests that imbalance um, between Japanese stars and other Asian star were actresses or ad- actors and. And this is this is so especially compared to the relationship between American stars and Japanese stars, or American um, influence and Japanese film history, right? Um, this is what we discussed earlier in this interview. So such kind of imbalance, or power structure, we might say can be observed uh, through uh, looking at the stardom so I wanted to highlight these um, uneven relationship global re- relationships uh, through the study of uh, film star film stardom. Great.
0: Yeah. Well, Hiriaki, thank you so much um, So now that the book is out Congratulations on the book What's next for you? Are you working on any projects uh, right now That you're particularly excited by?
3: Yeah, right now I have Two pro- big projects Maybe three pro- big projects But my own project My own book projects Are two um, one, one of them is to It's about Audiences Mm -hmm. And, and, um, but it's really difficult to discuss audiences, uh, film audiences. I mean, um, especially because empirical evidence uh, usually uh, don't exist, are not so available about audiences. Mm -hmm. So my approach is that uh, I... Analyze. I try to analyze the film audiences um, in terms of the uh, that, that the uh, the concept or conception of social categories mm-hmm. like the masses, the people, um, the people or Japanese word minshu. Or the citizens, or the, um, the national, national, or the imperial uh, subjects. And so, I'm, right now, I'm trying to uh, discuss the film audiences in relation to these social categories. Uh, throughout film history from the 1920s until, actually, until the present. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This is a really, really ambitious work. So I'm really uh, struggling to, <laughs> to, 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 um, uh, make a book, make it a book. But, um, but I have already published some Articles about this project. So uh, hopefully, I I will complete okay. this book um, in the new future. Okay. Yeah, the other project is not so. Uh, so the uh, this project is quite related to the uh, my previous book. Uh, this book about film I so in this book uh, making personas. I uh deal with the um uh, star mm-hmm. so the audience is a kind of in contrast with the stars the the receivers of the stars and films right mm-hmm. so the I wanted to 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 uh, deal with the uh, other aspect or other end, other endpoint of the film yeah and the, the other project is about the um, environment the relationship between film and environment or ecology so this is quite different project from uh, making personal yeah.
0: well Hideaki thank you so much for sharing your time and your yeah. expertise with us it's really been a pleasure and best of luck with your new projects
3: Thank you. Thank you very much.:
0: You've been listening to new books in East Asian studies. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.:
2: Lucky Land Casino: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
3: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Haha, in my dentist's office.